So, since it is almost Christmas, uh, I thought that I would do something a little specialer this week for Simpsons time. Uh, I'm going to give you an excerpt from a holiday-themed All Simpsons show that I did on Nazario Scenario back in 2014 with friends of mine. Nate Kay, Paul Bruno, and Pat Byrne. I know that uh, when we first did this, we didn't get everything right. There's plenty of errata there, but maybe that will be fun for you, diligent Simpsons watcher, to point out the errors and leave comments about them or whatever. Just uh, keep them to yourself. Whichever you prefer is fine. Um, Yeah, enjoy. Have a happy holiday. And um, I'll talk to you soon. Did you hear something? No. Hmm. Did I? I don't know. Simpsons time, committee style, Uh, and I'm so, so, so excited to bring Simpsons time to Simpsons time special and to talk about season one, episode one, Simpsons roasting on an open fire. Uh, Right now we're celebrating Simpsons Day, the anniversary of this episode airing, um, which was the first ever sitcom length Simpsons product ever seen on TV Um, and written by Mimi Pond who was a cartoonist who did sort of uh, alt-weekly newspapers like The Village Voice and stuff and I knew her when I was a kid because she had a weekly cartoon column in Seventeen magazine so a lot of young teenage girls knew who she was Um, and she never did another episode I guess she must have just been friends with the producers and they thought that she would be good to write it and she did a pretty good job Mm. um it's the story of the simpsons falling on hard times during christmas as usual um because bart sneaks into a tattoo parlor and gets part of a tattoo that he then has to get removed and that uh, costs their entire money that they were saving up for Christmas presents. And then Homer also doesn't get a Christmas bonus. So um, he has to go to work at the mall as a Santa. And Bart finds out that he's the Santa and no one else knows. And no one else ever finds out, actually, until the very end. Uh, so, Yeah. Do you guys remember this being on, or? I remember, um, I remember, like, wanting to stay up late for it. You know, I, I remember, like, 
my sister and I just begging, like, because it, it was j just like that first episode. It was like um, there was so much hype around it that mm -hmm. we were just like, we, you know, you had to, you couldn't miss this. Th you know, it was just like, um, it, it as 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 I had said in the first like about the first episode airing, like it was like, um, it was just, just that hype factor in it. Yeah, like, it was just like you know can't miss tv totally and, and like like you know a schedule appointment watching you know like so yeah i remember um watching it as it premiered and um just like yeah it, it was uh it, w it was such like a nice story and and it still is it's like uh and i i what i remember about it post that you know first time was that they pretty famously like didn't do a christmas episode um, for a long time after that. After yeah. that. So, yeah. oh, I just found the sweet spot in this mic. I'm over. <laughs> there Sounds it is. good, man. Um, so, like, they didn't start doing Christmas episodes again until, like, maybe season, like, nine or eight. But, yeah, but they I think every the year one just with, air that, you know? Yeah, that's true. The, the one with Don Brodka, I think, was the next one. Um, and that didn't materialize until season seven, I think. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, they would just, they would air it every year. It was, you know, a seasonal classic as well it should be and should have been. Um, but yeah, I remember, you know, when I was so young, I didn't realize that it was going to be a show after this. I thought it was just going to be the special. Mm. Um, and it was so, so exciting to see The Simpsons in that context as a real show yeah. that you didn't, you know, just wait around Tracy Ullman sketches <laughs> to see. Um, and then, you know, when it, was announced that this wasn't it, you know, that there would be a whole half a season of shows to follow it up. That, that was like even more exciting. Um, but yeah, it, it holds up as a Simpsons episode surprisingly well. And I think a little better than a lot of other ones from season one. Um, I agree. Yeah. It's, it's weird and, uh, um, desperate in the way that a lot of the shows from season one and two that that endure and remind me are. Who, who wrote this one i'm sure someone in the, in the room knows this who wrote this one yeah mimi like pond yeah. it was yeah. mimi it was pond the same woman that we were talking about yeah yeah, yeah. so mimi, for mimi pond uh yeah and she and this was the only credit, right? This was... Yeah, it's the only time she ever wrote and i actually don't know mm. the story behind that i, I just... imagine that she was friends with uh Matt Groening and Linda Barrett yes. and that whole crowd. And she married uh, Wayne White. Oh. Yeah, I think. I didn't know that. Who's Wayne White? You, you guys don't know Wayne White? No. Wayne White designed all of the... He was the artistic director behind Pee-wee's Playhouse. Oh. He did all those crazy puppets and stuff. And there's a really great documentary about him called uh, Beauty is Embarrassing. That's interesting because I think... Doesn't Gary Panter have something to do with Pee-wee's Playhouse as well? It, and Gary Panter it was, was friends a team. with Matt Groening. It was a team. Yeah. And I think that that's how that connection happened. Okay, yeah. that must be it. Yeah, <laughs> and, because and she did, maybe Pond did some work for Pee-wee's Playhouse also. So. Yeah, and so they, they kind of met and fell in love and had this big thing then. That's but cool. uh, but yeah, then I I think it's it's talked about in the documentary that like somehow Mimi was was uh, sort of optioned to be sort of a, a first season writer and in, in turn only ended up doing that, that one and classic famous like groundwork you know just like set setting the tone for like absolutely this you know family and the storylines and stuff but you have so many people that w didn't exist before this first episode that survive right. pretty much intact like skinner is introduced flanders is introduced 
Burns is in there. Burns is in there. Is, Sm- in is there. Smithers in it? I think so, yes. Is he black? I don't remember. Smithers is not in it, okay, I don't think. No, he's not in it. Doesn't he make the announcement that everyone's supposed to listen to Mr. Burns when Mr. Burns says they're not getting their bonuses? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I just watched it. I can't believe I can't remember. I know. I just I watched it last night. I watched it last night. You know what? I, I can look it up right now. Maybe it's just his voice or something, like over the loudspeaker. Like, it might be, yeah. yeah. And actually... Um, Mr. Burns had a different person doing his voice, too, just for that one Yeah, that, that was the voice that stuck with me. It, it was unrecognizable as Mr. Burns. But Skinner is, is essentially fully formed, because as I was saying, I think it's it's basically just Harry Shearer's voice. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, I'm going to uh, look up which episode Smithers Go for it. comes on the scene at. I'll say I thought this episode was interesting if you viewed it in terms of it being like the pilot to The Simpsons. Yes. And if it was like, here, we're going to introduce everything you need to know about this family and where they exist and where we're going to take them. And, you know, you have, you know, this mischievous, delinquent son. You have a precocious, feisty, intelligent daughter. Mm -hmm. You have a buffoon for a husband. But when you add all those things up, it's essentially just like, Oh, it's a sitcom. Yeah, you know. Also, also this this town, this place that they live. And, right, it, you know. it skews working class as opposed to it being you know yeah. a family where struggling family. Yeah. yeah, I mean it was it was it's very much like, I mean as it, I, as I rewatched it, I sort of thought this was almost sort of a kid friendly married with children. They were I was about to, to mention married with dude like that's right. Yeah, it's very ago. much softer than married with children or less. It was on the Fox network. It was coming into that family of, like, yeah, married with children. uh, Right. Or, like, a less gritty, like, Roseanne, where I think Roseanne really got into some real-world problems. was was probably, might have been after The Simpsons, actually, but... uh... It was this coming out of the 80s, oh, early 90s. Like, I, 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 you know, it wasn't called a recession, but it was just, like, yeah, people, you know, coming out of the Reagan years and people being broke sort of thing. And the idea of a child getting a tattoo, I, I, I suppose, was outrageous for nineteen. Just outrageous. I was about to say, like, <laughs> that was the thing that 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 was crude. Like, that's crazy. Right, and it was just so hilariously preposterous there, that he would want that. It's a perfect inciting incident. It's like the I, perfect. Like, yeah. It had never been done before. Yeah, you know? yeah. And that's what's brilliant about that writing moment for Mimi Pond. And as a, you know, as a cartoon, they could get away with that. Perhaps on a live action show, it would just seem. Yeah, completely ridiculous. Yes. Yeah, I can't imagine, 100%. you know, DJ getting a tattoo. Um, oh, it says here that Waylon Smithers first appears in Homer's Odyssey, which is the second episode, the, uh, the episode right after Bart the Genius. Yeah. Um, and I think he is black in that. And it says that uh, he can be heard, not seen in Simpsons Roasting on ah, Open Fire. Okay. So. There you go. That was there what it is. is. Yeah. Paul Bruno for the win. There you go. I think that the episode lacks the kind of bite, you know, that subs- well, that, that the Simpsons have developed. But I I agree to you know to a degree um, that it's not as directly satirical as the Simpsons would later become. But there is sort of there is a bit of satire in there because the whole episode, at, towards the end, Bart gives this big speech about how. Miracles happen to poor kids on Christmas. Mm-hmm. And right. The and TV has taught me happen. anything. Yes. Yeah, right. And I still remember that line. <laughs> and the first of all, the miracle would be winning at the dog track. Right, so that right. would be, you know, that's skewering the definition of a miracle. <laughs> and then it doesn't happen either. So, you know, they're they don't they don't get the miracle as you would expect with a holiday right. special. It's just that they, you know, they get they get Santa's little helper, and that's uh, I guess that's the miracle. 
Right, so, and that is very sappy at the end that, you yeah. know, Marge has absolutely no cynicism about welcoming a dog into the house. You know, right. she says, it's an extra thing to give our love to, and, you know, that's the meaning of Christmas in the first place. Or wondering where her husband has been for the past, like, 12 yeah, hours. Yeah, well, they, I mean, they do, like, all sit around. And actually, one thing that is pretty edgy and cruel is the introduction of Patty and Selma, yeah. who right off the bat hate Homer and are yeah. just, you know, saying mean thing after mean thing about him. Um so I think that, that I remember uh, a line from wait who I think it's yeah okay it's um oh god you know what talk talk, talk amongst yourselves for a second I gotta I, it's, it'll be worth <laughs> it'll it come to you it'll come to you it'll be worth it if I look it up well I, I was pointing out when when we were off mic that that Barney is is sort of a different brand of alcoholic in that first episode oh yeah where he great. he's able to get his Get, like get his way to the dog track, pick a a dog that that he believes is going to be a winner. Bet, win, collect his winnings, and pick up two women and drive home. Yeah, yeah, he's seen. Which is 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 more activity than Barney does <sighs> in like four seasons combined. More or less, yeah, I would say. He's well, like, I mean, I know he gets himself together to be Plow King, and, right. you know. But, you know, I mean, like he has his moments of sobriety, and and he does go sober eventually. Yeah, there are there are later episodes where he'll be at Moe's drinking coffee with right. his hair combed. Have yeah. you ever seen the, the, the sober episode Barney. where he went sober? Which I guess was a little, perhaps a little later. Maybe. I yes, think I remember yeah, that. I think that was season that was 10, 10, 11, 11 yeah, somewhere in, in there. Dan Castellaneta wrote that one, right? Um, yeah, it was, it got very sort of dark and, mm -hmm. uh, disturbing in a way that I'm not used to the Simpsons being, you know, like not funny disturbing, but actual, you know, this guy's an alcoholic right. and he needs help disturbing. Um, but I remember Barney drunk, uh, sneaking into the closet in the Simpsons house and coming down dressed in one of Marge's dresses and being like, I'm off to market. <laughs> Yeah. I, maybe I'm not supposed to laugh at that, but I laughed. At <laughs> they that. play they play his alcoholism for some really dark laughs. Like in the in the episode with the Springfield Film Festival when he right. makes this you know this 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 just pathos ridden black and white film about and, and it's he's, genius. He's at the Girl Scout meeting, <laughs> Mister Mr. Gumble. This is a Girl Scout meeting, is it? Or is it that you're afraid to admit that you have a problem? <laughs> One of my favorite moments. Of him. Yeah. That's, it's in black that's and white. That's pretty dark. It's it's it's, it's in the uh, his film, right? It's like in the middle. Yeah, Pocahontas. Brilliant. <laughs> the, the unfortunately titled Pocahontas. <laughs> he does get thirteen dollars. He's yeah. He's and he, Santa. And he does enough math to know that at ten to one, the horse is well. The horse, sorry, the dog is going to pay out one hundred and thirty dollars. <laughs> yeah, and and it happens as you said. I I couldn't find it. Uh, but I was looking up um, Julie Kavner, who uh, does Marge. Mm -hmm. Am I saying her name right? Yep. I yeah. think so. so uh, she, and Patty and Selma. Right, and, and Patty and Selma. And this is where I'm, I'm getting, like, I um, I was watching Radio Days uh, by uh, Woody Allen, right? And and, and, uh, and I realized she was in it. And I was like, oh, and I, I pulled up her IMDb a while ago. And um, whatever that internet wormhole led me to, I, I found a, a great line about... Um, when she was casted to be also Patty and Selma, um, I think it was Matt Groening, or it might have been Mimi Pond. It was maybe it was a combination of two, but just describe the characters that um, 
make them sound like they suck the life out of everything. It was just like, it was some line, like it was perfectly described. I think, that, I don't even think that was, I think it was a better line than that. And I was trying to find it, but it was, got, it's like. But she does play it that way perfectly. Yeah, you know, yeah. just, and I think the first uh, appearance of either one of them is the voice. It's just on the phone. Right. Um, you know, he answers. Marge, please. Yeah, Marge, Marge please. please. Yeah. Is Marge there? <laughs> it's a great back and forth. Thing. Yeah. Unfortunately, I got to run, guys, but thanks for having me on another. Yay, Pat! Yay! Woo! So, see you all soon. All right. Um, yeah, I, I believe that's an appropriate way to end Simpsons Time and uh, our discussion of the first episode. Unless there's something else you guys want to add? I feel like there's so much more that I we can talk about. I thought we were just going to talk bad about Pat now that he's, he's left. Can. <laughs> Let's give him no, five minutes here. or so. Damn it. Still here. <laughs> see him. <laughs> You said the loud part loud. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I said the... Quiet part loud. The loud Let's part quiet. just say he moved me to a bigger house. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I remember Mimi Pond as this kind of peripheral influence on my sensibilities. because It was like kind of weird to have someone who drew in kind of a way out way in a magazine like Seventeen, which was so squeaky clean. I'm going to have to check her out now because yeah you know totally i did not read 17 magazine as back then. i believe back you. then <laughs> i mean i picked it up recently <laughs> um but yeah no i remember very well one of her strips that was about someone babysitting um and like hanging out with a little kid and its parents too and just being completely annoyed by the little kid and the kid was going Apa juice, apa juice, apa juice, apa juice, apa juice, like in a word balloon that filled the entire panel. It's kind of cool. And it was funny. And um, that moment uh, where Homer is training to be Santa and the teacher is pointing at ho, 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 and they're saying it, uh, you yeah, know, like yeah. for way too long, that really reminded that. me of that. So that was to me. That the uh, the Santa instructor. We never saw him again. Oddly German. Yeah, accent. that weird guy with the pointy head. Yeah. The band director actually um, is in the first episode. That's right, and Mr. Largo. Stands, yeah. Yeah. Principal Skinner and Mr. Largo both introduce different classes. There's a great line in that scene that that I that was very Homer esque, and it would remain something Homer would say is, "They see, you know, their two kids do their." Grade performances, Bart and Lisa each have their go, and then they have to stay because they can't leave. And and Homer's like, "How many grades are in this school?" Yeah, right. that's right. <laughs> um, and I I like that you know the first appearance of Lisa is very you know sort of brash and sassy. She's Tawanga, Santa of the South Seas. Right. She's juggling fire. She's got like a coconut bra. It's it's yeah, different from the Lisa that we know. Yeah. Um, we had a little bit of the Lisa we know on, uh, I think, in conversation with Patty and Selma. When, when she's, she's giving that little lecture. Yes. Yeah. Oh, right. She said that she only has one role model. and that Male it's role model is her father. Yeah. yeah. Right. So a knock at him is a knock at her. Right. Oh, that, that's it's so sweet. and. Go back to watching your cartoons. Yeah, like, you know, it's just, it's, that's, that, that's an example of something edgy, you know. Oh, but, we had the Happy Little Elves, too. That's happy a, Little Elves were in it, yep. That they sort of fell by the wayside, we haven't seen. Is there an Itchy and Scratchy cartoon in? Not in this yeah. one, but Itchy and Scratchy and Krusty all appear in the Tracy Ullman shorts. Mm -hmm. So they already yeah. existed. I think the Happy Little Elves did, too. Mm. 
Um, yeah, and you know, so everybody ends up happy because Santa's little helper comes on the scene. It's uh, undermentioned in Simpsons lore that the Simpsons are racing greyhound adopters. <laughs> they <laughs> they support rescue dogs and um but yeah, he's uh he's a loser, he's pathetic, he's a Simpson. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, what cements the fact that he's going to go home with them. Um th- that the shot of Homer and Bart in the parking lot looking for winning tickets uh, is yes. just it's, Awful. It's, it's bleak. <laughs> and I don't really think you ever get that. I mean, you know, the show brings up class and money problems and, you know, trying to make a budget work. But you never see anything quite that bleak. You know, a small boy looking for thrown away winners on a racetrack parking lot floor. Yeah, you know? that's right. You really never. I mean, in Homer's Odyssey, he Homer does attempt suicide which i don't think you ever get bleaker than (laughs) well but i guess i'm thinking of uh these early episodes yeah yeah i mean in the the in the sort of more accepted canonized simpsons of season two and beyond i don't think we don't we ever see anything that well well, yeah mo has attempted suicide many many times many many but that's different that's always always a joke it's different when it's mo i don't care for that joke (laughs) And, and they've returned to the well many times with that like I don't like it. I like Mo. Yeah, Mo's Mo's a uh, Mo's He's better than dirt. Not that store bought <laughs> dirt. You can't compete with that. <laughs> Full of nutrients. I've I've often thought, you know, that I was Lisa as a, you know, William Simpsons, but I think I might be Mo. I think I'm I'm well, I thought we talked about this last time that we are the viewer like the obsessive viewer of the Simpsons that might fall into our category, we are Lisa, you know. I think so, yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I think I'm Homer just as often I'm as I'm Homer. Lisa. Yeah. I think <laughs> when I was younger, point. I was Lisa. But yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's great to be Mo and to have your <laughs> uh, your future made and broken by the purchase of one suit or you know plastic surgery. Yes. Um, or uh, he was uh, or Homer stealing your pandas idea. for a while, right? Remember he was helping <laughs> yeah, to smuggle pandas? There was a whole runner of Mo smuggling black and white animals. Cause there right, right. There was, there was, there was also orca. a whale <laughs> a that they were just hosing yes. down. Yes, yes. Very specific market Mo smuggles for black and white animals. So do you guys remember the original uh, Twas the Night Before Christmas Simpsons short? I vaguely don't actually at all. Well, no, I can't say I do. Well, lucky for you, I have it here, so we can listen to it. Uh, thank you for joining me for Simpsons Time today. Again, thank you. <laughs> Great, thank you. This has been Simpsons Time. Ah. "'Twas the night before Christmas, and all through the home, not a creature was stirring except for me in this poem. My sisters were nestled all snug in their beds, while visions of candy bars danced in their heads. Then I sprang like a spring and snuck like a sneak down the stairs to the gifts for just a quick peek. When lo and behold, what did I see? Lisa and Maggie had just beaten me. I poked at my package and said, "'This is rad, man.'" Then noticed Dad's shadow. He looked like a madman.
Oh, Maggie, oh, Lisa, oh, little Bartholomew, go upstairs, go right now before I kill all of you. And so into bed, we fled in a flash, awaiting till morning to open our stash. At last, daybreak came, and we scampered so cheerily, while Mom and Dad yawned and gazed at us wearily. For Maggie, a pacifier, for Lisa, some dolls, for me, a big burp gun would shoot ping pong balls. Then on came the TV, and we started to doze through all the exciting Christmas-themed shows. So, to those of you grooving on my holiday wrap, happy Christmas to all, and to all a good nap. That'll do it. Uh, thank you for listening to Simpsons Time Through the Debigulator today, a podcast from WFMU. My name is Amanda Nazario. It's been my singular pleasure to deliver this podcast to you this week. I'll be back next week without seasonal programming, just something excellent in a more quotidian way will be yours to enjoy next time. As always, you can drop me a line. You can drop me a comment. Through any of the channels. You can follow me uh, on Twitter. It's at Amnaz, A-M-N-A-Z-Z. Uh, Instagram is A-M underscore N-A-Z-Z. Um, or you could just, you know, email me through WFMU or... Um, don't contact me at all. Enjoy your holiday, folks. Talk to you soon. <laughs>